friends and welcome once again to another episode of My Big Fat Mouth. I'm going to be sitting down today with Dave aka The Iron Moustache, a wonderful friend of mine from Twitter who is an experienced hobbyist and just a really lovely person. We're going to get to know him, ask him the usual questions and it should be a really really good time. So uh, let's skip ahead to that. So Dave, welcome to the show at last. I've been planning to have you on here for, well, pretty much since I came up with the idea, to be fair. Why don't we take a minute, uh, just tell the viewers who you are, what you're all about, what you do, all of that kind of thing, mate. All right, okay, well, I'm Dave, um, also known as the Iron Moustache. Um, I've been in and out of the hobby for, well, since about 1989, 1990. Um, started um, pretty much... Um, with the Tolkien stuff when I was a teenager. Yeah, moved yeah the on original licensed LOTR stuff. That's right, yeah. Then moved on to D&D. &D, um, and then um, sort of got involved with a, a, a sort of a couple of guys in the sixth form, actually, who uh, brought the Blood Bowl Star Players <laughs> manual <laughs> nice. with them. And he, he left it on the desk. Um, and I walked in and I saw it. And, of course, I think, if I remember rightly, I think it had uh, a cheerleader on the front. Um I think, and, and I sort of looked at that and I thought, that looks kind of fantasy-esque. So I sort of peered over his shoulder and says, oh, what's that? He says, well, do you want to have a look? So I had a look at it. He says, have you ever done this sort of stuff? So we went into the usual chat um, and it ended up it ended up me being invited round to his house. And, and <laughs> the, the, the real great thing about it was, is he lived on the same estate as me. Right. Um, so I was able to walk around to his house and him and his brother had this sort of um, room, this this sort of big double bedroom and it was absolutely rammed with most of the gw um stuff you could over the time you could mention so they, they did 40k they did road trader they did adeptus titanicus they did epic i think their parents just used to buy them these things well of course i was like a pig in shit you know, yeah. you know <laughs> at the just, time of your life <laughs> basically you know there wasn't a day where where it didn't go round um where i was i didn't have my nose in a manual or or a, or a law book or as painting or we were, we're doing a game ah happy days mate happy days and it's kind of been your life ever since yeah it has i mean i've had a couple of a couple of time periods away um my the main period of time i last 12 years was was to bring up a family yeah um just really didn't have the time to do the modeling and the hobby side of it but I kept up to date with the the novels, so yeah, you know yeah. I followed all the Horus Heresy stuff, um, you know, and bought various sort of novels here there. But when I, you know, when I sort of liked the look of them, um, I picked them up I and mean, I read them. And that I'll be honest, talk. mate. I think players of our age group, it's pretty normal for us to have taken a break. Uh, my my big break was between fifth and eighth edition. For God's sake, I mean that's a long break, three whole editions. That was mm. probably nine years, I would say, roughly. Yeah, and yeah. Edition is yeah. usually about two and a half, three years, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be something yeah. like eight or nine years. I mean, mm. you know, but the nice thing about it is you come back and it's, you know, the rules might have changed in terms of, you know, how they work on a practical level. But everything else is just how you left it, isn't it? It's one of the great things about the hobby. It's so easy to jump back in. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I obviously, um, when I went away um and and sort of uh, to start my break um sort of warhammer fantasy battle was still strong mm. you know and was still sort of holding its own against warhammer 40k in terms of popularity when i came back it had gone 
you know, yeah. replaced by this thing called Age of Sigma. And I'm thinking, shit, where's it? Where, what, what's happened here? What's gone on here? You know, and so um, I've been lucky in a respect to have come back to 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 new sort of lines and and, and sort of gaming formats within it. But uh, it's kind of that little bit of sort of uh, sadness. Yeah, a little bit uh, of system shock, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, fa- fantasy was very beloved in sort of the you know the nineties and the two thousands, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it uh, it was. was very popular. Yeah, yeah, it was. But you know, things move on, and and it's coming back again. But it's slightly different format, probably. But you know, it's that. But it's that sort of. It kind of all harks back to that Dungeons and Dragons, that Tolkien esque sort yeah, of thing yeah. about you know uh, barbarians and swords, you know swords and swashbuckling and, and dragons and you know all those sort of things. And I think that was a major appeal for. Well, I think that the was the gateway camera. drug for a lot of us, wasn't it? Because sci-fi was, especially you know in 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 the nineties, sci-fi was still quite hard. You know the the mm. sort of softer, more accessible sci-fi was still fairly scarce in the nineties. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, certainly going into the 2000s and, and, and beyond, I think sci-fi started to become something that kind of was a bit more for everyone. And, and, and I suppose that in part might be why 40k started to do so well during that time period. But fantasy was always sort of, yeah, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, Tolkien, and these were all the things that mm. that we were into, you know, and, and, and the 80s and 90s was kind of the heyday for that, I suppose. Yeah, it was. I mean, if you have, I mean, obviously, if you look back to to sort of Hollywood, particularly during the nineteen eighties, you had Dark Crystal, you had Crawl, you know, you had all those Willow <laughs> la- Labyrinth. You had all of those sort of very fantasy based sword things. and sorcery. It's a genre in its own right. Absolutely. Then, of course, you had the sort of like the the, the sort of. Um, uh, the sci-fi element of sort of things like Battle Beyond the Stars, you know, the Black Hole, those sort of things. But they never really, for me, they never really had that mystery, that magic and mystery to them that, that the fantasy genre had. And I think that's what made makes it so popular. And it still endures to this day. So you would definitely say that your leanings are more towards the, uh, the fantasy side than the sci-fi side? Um, yeah, I think they always have been, um, in a way. It, it's kind of what I was... Uh, what I was exposed to and, and yeah, what was available yeah, sure. to sure. me, um, you know, having, having been a child born in the seventies, you know, becoming a teenager in the eighties, you know, it, it, the sci-fi element wasn't particularly there as strongly as the, as the fantasy element. Cause obviously D and D was doing really well in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. So um, I, I'm sure you know this cause you said you've, you've listened to an episode or two, but I like mm. to sort of break the, sh- the show down into some sort of main elements, uh, which all start with me asking specific questions. So we're going to go through into the first section. Now, uh, this is the section where I ask you, what have you been up to? Uh, so, uh, what do you, what have you been up to mate? What have you been up to? Okay. So Dave, tell me what have you been up to lately in the hobby? Tell me all about it, mate. It's probably more like what haven't I been up to in the hobby recently, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I've, 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 the main thing I've really been doing is is, is kind of got a, a couple of challenges underway um, okay. at the moment. One, one is with a, a really a really nice uh, bloke called Fred Six, a, a French guy. Um, big the hobbyist like, like ourselves. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, and um, Mrs. Moustache, who people hear a lot of about if they ever see me on stream um or see me on twitter i bought me the uh, star collecting seraphon um nice. so um i put a picture of it of it up on instagram and i got a message from fred saying oh do you know what i've got the same 
minis as you have and have had them for about 12 years but never got around to painting them. How do you fancy a bit of a friendly challenge? You know, so three months, three units. Uh, we'll ask the uh, ask the audience, as it were, um, on Twitter what the theme we should do is. And it's kind of gone from there. So we're in the second month now. So we're doing um, we're doing sort of uh, Saurus, Saurus on Cold One Nights at the minute. Okay. Um, we've already done the Warriors. Uh, the third one, of course, is 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 the big beastie. So uh, mine's a Carnosaur. Um, I opted to go for the Carnosaur on that one, but uh, no, great fun, great fun. And so you say you've been you've been theming each challenge. So yeah. does that still allow you to sort of have a cohesive army at the end of it? Like, does the, does the changing themes affect that or? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the the main sort of aim is 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 that the 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 army itself. Is based on the four elements, right? So, okay. fire, earth, so it, wind, it doesn't water. want to look all like one cohesive blob. Then it wants no, to no. look like four distinct things. That's right. Right. Um, with you. Okay. Uh, and the the, the 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 idea of it, I think, is to is to just sort of broaden your horizon a bit. It's give, you, you're given a framework, and then you can add onto the framework whatever you want to do. Um, so colors, provided they kind of follow. Um, so obviously, if you pick fire. You wouldn't expect you wouldn't expect it to be dark blue, sure, for example. Yeah, you know, you know. So anything that's kind of that sits that you would think would sit within the color wheel around fire um, will fit the bill, and you can paint it in any way you want. Um, obviously, uh, the bases are kind of like um, sort of jungly mm-hmm. sort of theme bases because obviously that's where Saurus are from. Well, traditionally they were, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, it, and and again, it's very hard to sort of uh, shift that sort of old hammer. Influence, even though they're in a different sort of a whole different sort of place. It's got to be done. Um, you've got to, you've got to stick to your roots, haven't you? Oh, of course you have. I mean, I never. And one of the great things about it is, is I never actually physically ever got the chance to do um, lizard men, right? Um, in 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 old hammer. So for me, this kind of fulfills a dual purpose for me. It's obviously obviously a faction in Age of Sigmar, but also I'm getting that kind of old hammer fix, right? At the sure. same time, by fulfilling something I never got to do. Um, the second challenge I've been doing is, is um, for, uh, again, another great streamer um, called Stasius. Yep, I know um, Stasius and uh, Tech uh, Alpha. And Tech Alpha, that's right. Now, Staz has had some problems with carpal tunnel syndrome. Yes, I've it's, it's affecting a dominant hand. So she's having to paint using her non-dominant hand. So, so she's, she's teaching herself again from scratch with her offhand. Yep. She set up a challenge um, for everybody to paint a model using your offhand. Now, I'm a lefty, Same. so I'm painting. I'm I'm painting um, a a big mech at the moment using only my right hand, and it's fun. That sounds now, mean, all kinds of difficult. I mean, it's it, it, yeah, it is. I mean, it, you're constantly fighting your own brain, right? Because obviously, your dominance is to to favour that, unless of course you happen to be one of these really lucky people that's ambidextrous, which I'm not. So I'm using my right hand and I'm constantly fighting the urge to switch back to the left hand. Yeah, of course, yeah. And I, um, I, suppose, I suppose not only is it going to be, you know, you've got less hand-eye coordination to begin with, but there's also that sort of distraction element, isn't there? It's got to be quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you're there, you're focusing on it. I mean, I did two hours of one on the other day and it, it, it's physically draining because of the level of concentration you've got in there. Because it's... It, it's amazing actually how much fine control you have with your dominant hand that you right. don't have with your non-dominant hand. Yeah, also, of course, your, yeah. your judgment of distance is, is, isn't there either. 
So, you, you know, it's, it's amazing how much you rely on your fine motor yeah. skills. And it's really um, adding some sort of layers of difficulty by, by just switching yeah. hand. Yeah. I mean, it me makes more concentration, but in some ways that's not such a bad thing because it means that you are concentrating more on the quality of the paint that you're laying down. Right. Because the last thing, the last thing you want to do is, is pick up a model and look like you just dunked it in the paint pot and <laughs> pulled it out. You know, you're really trying to make it look as as almost as good as you would do with your with your dominant hand. Of course, so, yeah. So, I mean, and anyone that wants to do that, it's it's an open challenge. Staz has popped it out there on Twitter. Um, has anyone it got a hashtag? Um, I don't think it has. I think if 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 people just go to um, Stazis's Twitter page, which is obviously. Um, it's just at Stasius, isn't it? At, at Stasius, yeah. Um, and they can obviously uh, follow along with it. Um, and and I, I would I would encourage people to do it because it, it really is it's it's intense, but it's fun. Yeah, because it's it's teaching you something else, something new about yourself as much as about your your hobby. For sure, and I suppose it's it's a very useful tool for sort of unpacking your own painting procedure because you're kind of. Um, you're sort of forcing yourself to relearn everything, which allows you to sort of go back and, and maybe analyse things that you've learned that you would rather unlearn. It's quite it's quite an interesting sort of effect that it would have on your thought process, I'm sure. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, and the other, the other thing, of course, it, it does add you, and in a slightly sort of more macabre way, is if I ever did lose the use of my left hand for whatever reason through injury or illness or something yeah and i still had the use of my right i know that i can still fulfill my hobbying absolutely yeah yeah um, Which actually, i mean but, you say it's you say it's macabre but that is to me that's kind of uplifting you know knowing that you've got that safety net i mean there's, there's a sense of security that comes from that mm, mm, it is and let's and, be honest people injure themselves all the bloody time oh i'm sorry i mean if i you know if i fractured my uh, my left wrist or broke the fingers in my left hand and wasn't able to use it i would need to use my right one so Absolutely. you know you would be in that situation um but i think it's it, it does it it tells you a tells you a little bit about yourself but it, i think also one important thing is and a lot of people struggle um with you know thoughts about themselves and their opinion of themselves but the sense of achievement that it gives you i think would give a lot of people a bit of a lift yeah, of I course, think, yeah. you know what, actually, I've overcome something here. Yeah, it's, you know, kind, it's kind of that thing, isn't it, of sort of breaking yourself down and putting yourself back together again. You know, it sort of shows you what you're made of, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, it's... And also, from obviously, from from Stazzy's point of view, it, it, it must be horrible having carpal tunnel. Thankfully, I've never had it. Oh, Hopefully, yeah, I never yeah. will. Um, but, you know, a bit of solidarity there. In it, you know, we're we we we're a great community, and I think just little things like this sometimes do help out some some of our some of our members that do find themselves in bits of difficulty. To, and knowing that even if people if we can't be together in thought, we are. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I've always said like it never hurts just to do something, even if it's purely for the sake of just making someone feel better. That is a good enough reason. To, mm. to do something you know the fact that you're going to have fun with it and learn from it and grow from it that's all that's bonus to me yeah 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 it is it is there's, there's absolutely nothing negative that can come from from trying this challenge absolutely all. yeah sounds wicked it sounds like you've been busy as well yeah, I've been, you know, uh, to be honest with you, if you could see my desk at the moment, you would <laughs> you would see how just how busy it is. I, I, I like so many of us out there have 
a, a pile of shame. Um, and I've kind of given myself a bit of a kick and started assembling things um, and sort of getting ready, you know, to, to, to paint some things. I mean, one of the most, one of the newest things I've, I've assembled at the moment is, is Mrs. Moustache bought me the gouged eye, blood bowl mm-hmm. team. So I've Very assembled nice. that, done a little bit of kit bashing on that as well. Bonus, of course, is 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 um, I've actually um, uh, I think I've actually managed to tempt her how to let me teach her how to play Blood Bowl. Ooh. Uh, See, Blood Bowl, game. I nearly got Jenny with Blood Bowl. I very nearly got Jenny with it. I've still not quite managed to persuade her to try a miniatures game with me yet, but mm. I did catch wind today that Hero Quest is being re-released. Oh, it is. It and is. I, but... I don't know anyone that can that can resist Hero Quest. Hero Quest is great. Hero Quest is one of those. It's one that, well, it's one of the very first games that that me and my brother got bought. We got it's bought the original Christmas. gateway drug, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighty nine, Christmas nineteen eighty nine. It was that was it, and I think we spent the entire rest of the Christmas holiday with my dad being the dungeon master while we played Hero Quest. And that was um, all, that was all anyone wanted, wasn't it? Just oh, it was yeah, hours it was. and hours and hours of fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, my dad got hooked on it as well. So, of course, every, he, he, got, he went out and bought all the expansion packs as they yep. came out. Um, so, you know, happy days. I mean, it's coming out at the moment. Obviously, I've had, a, I've had a quick look earlier on. At this moment, it's only limited to the United States and Canada, unfortunately. Yeah, I suspect that will change, though, due to demand. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, if it's successful in the United States, I mean, it's a worldwide, it's a worldwide game. Everybody knows what Hero Quest is. For sure, for sure. I mean, yeah. the original was printed in so many different languages. I, I noticed um, that Squidmar recently released a video related to Hero Quest, and yeah. um, he's in Sweden. Yes, yes, Swedish. And, yeah, and yeah. There was a localized copy in Swedish. So, if there was a localized copy in Swedish, we can assume that there was definitely, you know, French, Spanish, and German. Certainly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when when things are going over, going through localization, like they don't even get to the Scandinavian countries until they've done mainland Europe. So, That's right. That's you know, right. so, yeah. so you have to assume that the um, the people that are making this new version of it will will realize that there's probably demand for it outside of the US. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Whether or not that will be Hasbro that do it over here, because um, I think if I'm right, if I remember right, I'm, I'm sure it was MB, wasn't it? Milton Bradley. It was MB Games originally, with, yeah. with Games Workshop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so whether or not you know um, Games Workshop do it over here, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um, maybe someone will be no doubt. Somebody will be sitting watching the progress of it over in the States and thinking, let's just see how popular this is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Right, uh, I've got another section coming up for you then, mate. I think it's time that we shift on to the next one. So uh, here is where I like to ask my guest, what are you high on right now? (sighs) Yeah, what am I high on right now? Go on then, Dave. Tell me, what are you high on in the hobby right now? After all the miniatures I've assembled, liquid poly. (laughs) Yeah, I I always uh, make a point of keeping a bottle by the desk as well, you know, when uh, (laughs) when you Um, work in those long shifts and you need a pick-me-up. That's it. Quick, you know, quick sniff. We're off again. (laughs) Please, if you're watching this, do not sniff poly cement. Please don't do that. (laughs) We are are joking, kids. We are joking. Um, So what am I having? Well, I have now got the Indomitus box. Oh, decided to go in on one. Well, I got one um, and got it on the made to order, uh, made to order scheme. Yeah. Um, and 
um, sort of kept questions. It may have seen me asking questions on Twitter. Anyone had it shipped yet? Because obviously the uh, the first and second phase purchase is well gone. Right. Um, and obviously no one said not yet, not yet. And um, Plutonium OD, or Captain Cuddles, as he yeah. is on, on tweet, he'd actually bought three boxes and hadn't unpacked one. So he said to me, he says, look, he says, if you want my unpacked one, I said, I'll, I said, I'll pop it round for you, and then when you get yours, just let me know, and you, I'll have yours. Yeah, so happy, happy days, happy days. So I've got, so I've got the Indomitus box. So for the first evening, I had my nose firmly stuck in the literature, as you do. Yeah, of um, course. And, and it almost took me back to being in that bedroom with uh, my two friends all those years ago. You know, it never was, changes. Do you know what? I, I'm, I'm with you on this one actually because right, I. I bought the second edition 40k box. I owned that. I did have that. But since that second edition box, I've never actually had a boxed game. Mm. Because I was already in the hobby at that point. I already had armies. So at that yeah. point, I was I would always just buy the rule book and continue collecting for whatever armies I was collecting for. Yeah, so yeah. although Indomitus wasn't a starter box in the traditional sense that we think of it, it is the first time I've had a big 40k box that had, you know, two sides of miniatures and rule book and, you know, various bits of literature and stuff. And the feeling was, it was really nostalgic for, you know, back in the 90s, the first time I opened one. And yeah. I, I, I wonder I wonder if it was like that for everyone or if it's just us old farts that, that open these boxes <laughs> and think back to our youth. I mean, it, it, well, I, I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that, that, that anybody that does it gets that same sort of buzz uh, of taking the wrapping off and lifting the top up and you know you see your first layer of whatever's in the box and then you're sort of taking all the bits out and you're exploring them um it it's it, 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 it's quite it's, it's just it's a magical feeling isn't it it is yeah yeah it's it that proper toys r us moment you can't be i, don't, I think you know yourself and, and myself you know from an era where board games were the thing Mm -hmm. And board games always came in boxes. And opening those boxes has a special significance. Yeah. Um, and, and this was obviously the same. Quite a big box again. It's got all those bits and bobs in it. And you, you lift it off and you automatically get that that smell. It's a very, very distinctive There's, there's some sort of chemical that they pump into the air in those boxes. And then they trap it in with that cellophane. And That's it's, just, it. it's got that magical property to it. When yeah. it first hits you, you're like, ah, new box. That's it. It's it's nostalgia in aerosol form, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it's, it's pure nostalgia. It's like the Schwartz. Um, but yeah, so so I mean, I've obviously um, I've never owned a copy of Warhammer Forty Thousand. Never. Right. Okay. Um, never had a box. Never had a, a rule book. Um, when I played Warhammer Forty Thousand last time, I was able to do it by wing and a prayer. Um, by going to the local games club and learning the rules from somebody who sure. knew the rules. Um, so this is the first time I've actually sort of had a box um, with a with with obviously the full sort of the the full kit in it. The full experience. Um, exactly, exactly. So you know, and and to be honest with you, I am denied whether I should get the box in the first place. But since um, I made the decision to get the box. It's kind of like being one of them little predominating thoughts in your background. It's kind of like waiting for Christmas. Yeah. You know it's coming. 
the clock's ticking down. <laughs> um, and, and, and also, as you, as you know from some of the models I've done, um, I do like to do a little bit of conversion work on them. And I have some ideas around the Necrons that I'd like to, okay. uh, to, put, into, to put into sort of um, practice and, and just to see um, what sort of effect that they have. Um, I won't give too much away, obviously, on the nature of what I'm going to do, but it has something to do with Sylvaneth, and I'll leave it at that. All right, all right. That sounds like it could be interesting. Could be interesting. And uh, obviously pulling in your uh, your AOS interest there as well is never a bad thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I do like to try and um, sort of mix um, the, the two together. Yeah, yeah um, treat one hobby. Yeah, through conversion and through, you know, um, I mean, one of the, uh, I think one of the, the sort of uh, most fantastic conversions I've seen uh, done, um, I don't know whether you know him or not, a guy called Mesgeik. Yeah, yeah. Um, Australian boat. Did you see the um, the orc conversion that he did? Um... He took an orc from um, from Age of Sigmar and converted him um, into, a, into an orc. I don't think I am familiar with that one, no. Uh, have a look at it. It's on YouTube. Look yeah, at it yeah, for sure. He's, he's um, a brilliant YouTube channel. Yeah, I mean, he's only got he's only got three or four videos on there because I think he's a Patreon uh, chap. So I think yeah, he, yeah, he does most of his stuff as tutorials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that one is on there. The both the building and the painting. Um, and he just uh, the guy knows his stuff. Yeah, he he, yeah. he just knows this is the same stuff. guy that did the uh, White Scars Lieutenant with the uh, that's, power that's katana the in the sheet. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And yeah. it, and he just makes it look so easy. Uh, he so, does, yeah. You see how fine he's working and how much control he's in while he's doing it, and it's just like, fuck off, mate. No one's that good. No. <laughs> <laughs> you see that all the time, innit? It's like, how the fuck when, did you? When I grow that? up, I hope I can be like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, they, 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 these guys, they sort of drive you along, don't they? Because you're like thinking. Do you know what? I'm going to give that a go. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and... and uh, I keep seeing all these people recently that are bloody brilliant with green stuff. Um, oh, and yeah. It, it's, it keeps making me try stuff with green stuff lately. And, and the truth of the matter is I'm fucking terrible at sculpting. I'm so bad at it. But I just keep seeing people that are really good at it. And it keeps yeah. making me more and more ambitious with it. I actually sat earlier today... This is this will uh, give you an idea of something that I've got coming up. I sat and you can you can just about make it out on this dish. What I did was I rolled about twenty balls of green stuff up, yeah. Then let them all go mostly hard, and then cut them all in half so that I could put a load of boils on the. Um, you see the demon prince that's behind me just there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's being done ah. up as a Nurgle demon prince. I'm going to glue a load of green stuff balls to it and then sculpt like the raised flesh around them nice and yeah that that's one of probably one of the most ambitious green stuff things i've ever attempted but it's because of people that are so much better at hobby than me constantly <laughs> doing this amazing <laughs> stuff that i just you know can't help yeah. it just feel the need to try yeah i'm I'm no sculptor it has to be said i mean the the, the first and last attempt that i had at uh, uh sculpting actually physically sculpting was was um uh, using uh, two-part epoxy putty, uh, putty um, milliput. Yeah, yeah, milliput. Um, and um, I tried to make a, a snotling, um, and it ended up with legs like Popeye and arms like olive oil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was just this. The dimensions were just completely all to cock. Um, and but then it's a snotling, so it kind of can be. 
<laughs> it could be. It could be, but you know, I mean, he had arms like a body. He had legs like a bodybuilder. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hadn't uh, been told, skipping leg day, clearly. No, that's no, that's right. In fact, he was skipping everything else except leg day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so at, the, at this Indomitus box, you said you said that you've got plans with the Necrons. Obviously, yep. I don't want you to reveal those plans because a it might be a spoiler for your stream, and b it could be a spoiler for a later section in this podcast. But. Do you have any plans with regards to the Space Marines? Is there anything happening with them, or are they just going to sit on a shelf for now? No, the Space Marines. Um, I did a. Um, I, I did get some Indomitus Marines in the Wolf Box um, a little while back, um, and I've painted one up as a as a homebrew chapter, uh, the Sons of Baal, right? Um, or a Blood Angel successor chapter. So I will continue to to sort of follow that line, right. um, and and. Look, looking at the sculpts on some of the Space Marines in that Indomitus box. Oh. Some of them are lovely. I'll tell, tell you what, yeah. the, the only one, the only one in that box that ended up being a bit of a letdown for me was the Blade Guard. Right. They, they look lovely, but they're just... And, and, and I absolutely accept that this is totally subjective. This is not remotely fact. It is just my feelings. But I just did not enjoy painting them. And I think mm. that might be in part just because I've done a lot of them. Because I got commissioned for like four Blade Guard captains and two Blade Guard lieutenants when that box came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so by the time I even touched any of my own, I'd already done a lot of them. So I might have just been a bit fed up with them by that point anyway. But they're just, there's just something about them that is not quite as fun to paint for me. You know, mm. as as mm. as other marine stuff, and I and I am someone who still, you know, despite being in this hobby twenty nine years, is still not bored of painting space marines for fuck's sake. So it's you know, it's not just their space marines, but there was just something about them that just didn't do it for me. Hmm. Really, yeah. really bizarre. Really bizarre. Right. Um. So, I think now might be a good time to move on to the saucy section. What do you think? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, we call this one The Rant. So, Dave, over the course of this show so far, we've had some pretty select, choice, juicy, prepared rants. Why don't you tell me what your rant is, mate? Mine is that minis and arts do not represent the diversity of real people. Now, I'm not talking about gender mm -hmm. or, or or sort of race. I'm talking about size and shape. Interesting point. Now, that's something I hadn't thought of. Because, of course, you'll know this, because uh, I know you said you listened to uh, the last the last episode of, uh, of My Big Fat Mouth. Um, we spoke a lot about representation specifically in that episode from the angle of gender and then also, you know, sexual orientation, ethnicity, that kind of thing, um, which are probably more at the sort of forefront of the conversation at the moment. Those are the kind of things that we're sort of thinking about and talking about. But actually, I think you're the first person who's ever referenced that to me, who has ever raised that point to me, that hobby games, miniatures in general, they don't really you're quite right they don't really represent everyone's kind of cookie cutter sized aren't they yeah 
That's right. I was thinking the other day, obviously, when um, when I was preparing to to come and have a chat on here with you about a, a good sort of um, representative um, uh, sort of group of people uh, that the point can be made across. And what came to my mind was Gaunt's Ghosts. Yep, yep. When you think about it as a fair mix, you've, you've even from listening to the descriptions... You've got Bragg, try, you know, obviously try again Bragg, really big bloke, mm -hmm. you know. You've got Elin Rawn, really skinny, weasel-looking. Yeah. You've got Mert Fagor, has a physical disability through an injury. Ah, uh, yeah, he's, he's the one on the, um, that's the one who's on the sniper team, isn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He, he just... To me, when you walk down the street, you see tall people, short people, thin people, fat people, medium people, you know, yeah. people with visual characteristics. Now, I understand it could be difficult to, to capture that, but when you look at all the models, they're all the same size. And it's an interesting thing because, for example, if something is nurgly, they'll quite often sculpt a distended belly onto it to show yeah. that it's nurgly. Or they'll sculpt, you know, fat rolls onto it. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, if something is undead, they'll make it really gaunt and drawn looking. So yeah. it's not like they're not sculpting this stuff. Mm. But what they're doing is saying, you know, if you're an Imperial Guardsman, you look exactly like this cu cookie cutter. If you're a Space Marine, you look exactly like this cookie cutter, etc., etc. Yeah. And yeah. It is, it's kind of a strange thing, actually. Yeah, because, like, for example, we know... The not just between like firstborn and primaris and um, primarchs and normal marines, but we know that from marine to marine, for example, there are variations in height and size. We know yeah. that that occurs. So, you know, I, I mean, I guess the the obvious counter argument is probably that it's quite expensive to sculpt different sized and shaped torsos and legs and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And squad kits, and maybe that's why we only see it in characters. But is mm. that the only reason? Is it is it just cost prohibitive, and that's why we don't see it in squads? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that, the, the, the cost lead will always, have a, um, will always have an impact, of course, won't it? But I think with a lot of things is is that we're now coming into an era where, where things are becoming more noticeable. And in the past, I think things maybe have not been put in simply because somebody hasn't thought, do you know what, that's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody in a, in a room that would sit anywhere and think, um, right, we're definitely not having that in, we're definitely not having that in, we're definitely, surely not, I would hope not. Um, I would like to think that, that you know, society is, is, is now sort of diverse enough for people to actually not live in that little bubble that maybe there was 50 years ago of course, um, but yeah. i think but i think now the, the 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 problem is is that these things are becoming more and more noticeable and people are thinking about them and perhaps it's not something that's been that's been thought of um i mean obviously um given the fact that that probably 90 percent of the imperial guard in for warhammer 40k are essentially press ganged yeah conscripted you, you ain't gonna get the, you're not, not going to get physically perfect specimens. Yeah, they're not all going to have been through military school and, you know, done the, the obstacle course a hundred thousand times in their training and all that kind of thing. 
there's there, there's gonna be very and and there is variance. You know, we we see that in the stories all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, now, and, I mean, we're starting to see little bits creeping in. Like, uh, for example, in the assault intercessors push fit kit. Uh, they included a choice of a normal hand or a bionic hand for the, for yeah. the sergeant on the assault yeah. intercessors. So we're seeing that they're starting to pay attention to offering you ways to vary up your miniatures. Perhaps one of the things they need to be thinking about is, do we want to offer a way to make this miniature taller, make this miniature shorter, make this miniature fatter or thinner, um, and allow us to maybe tell our stories on a bit more of a complex level as a result of that? Yeah, yeah. Because as you quite rightly say, one of the one of the issues um, is, is that that various races have 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 an aesthetic. You know, ogres, for example, have a very fat, big pot bellies. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's the ogre aesthetic. You know, um, it's very rare that you see an ogre that's ripped. Which is <laughs> which is funny because depending on which mythology you draw your ogre from, they can be. Blue skinned, pink skinned, they can be very thin and sort of around the seven foot tall mark, or they can be huge hulking monsters around the sort of ten foot tall mark. Um, there's so much variance depending on where your ogre comes from in inspiration that, you know, there's, there's no reason, there's no hard reason for that to not be expressed in the products. No, no, that's right. Um... I mean, obviously, you know, uh, people can convert stuff. People can use green stuff to score. Not everyone's good at that. But I'm not, shit at it. No, I don't no. want that. I want the kit to come with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, 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 it's it's likely to be a call thing. Um, um, is there the call for it at the moment? Probably not. Um, is this is this the rantings of of, of somebody on sound mind? Probably so, um, but uh, you know, it's just one of those little things that that you know um, I have I, you know happen to sort of think um, about. And and to be fair, to be fair, the, the guidance that you sort of sent me about coming on here actually jogged that little bit forward. Um, and it was just through watching normal people, and I'm just like thinking, yeah, it'd be nice to see a few more pot bellied, uh, a few pot, more pot bellied IGs. Um, yeah, you know. the, the thing is, I I always think to myself, and, and again, this this might be a me thing. But when I look at a sprue when I buy a squad and I see loads of extra packs, extra ammunition, extra stuff that's literally just there to litter the bases with, to me, I don't really want all of that personally. I don't, I don't want to glue loads of extra packs onto my Space Marines or Imperial Guard. You know, I don't want to glue like water canteens onto my Guardsmen and stuff like that because to me, to my mind... I would rather the experience of painting that miniature tell the story than yeah. all the extra shit that I glue onto it. Mm, and mm. I don't know how much other people share that with me because obviously it is nice to have those things for the bits box. But, you know, maybe what we could hope for is that in the future GW will maybe reduce the amount of clutter they give us on the sprue, the amount of extra decorating stuff, and just give us more varied functional parts instead. Yeah. And, you know, that would probably make it not cost them much more, if any more at all, to produce the kit. You know, maybe that's yeah. a compromise. Perhaps, perhaps. And, you know, they make a template, obviously, don't they? They make the template for the for the press. The press is a certain amount of money. I doubt that varies hugely. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, in, in, the, in the era of 
digitally sculpted Warhammer. You know, it's not it's not all uh, it's not all sculpted by hand anymore like it used to be. We we all know that, and uh, there is there's a lot of what most people would refer to as corner cutting. There's a lot of asset reallocation. You know, um, this miniature needs a gun handle poking out of his pouch well i'm not going to sculpt a new gun handle from scratch even though that'll only take me an hour i'll just grab the gun handle off this miniature and stick it into his pouch in the 3d software you know yeah. that, that kind of thing um mm. and sometimes it's really silly like for example uh something that i spotted with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago was the uh one of the new necron miniatures that has these like tendrils coming out of it oh uh, yeah yeah I don't know what it's called, but it's got these like these metal snakes coming out of its body. Um, hmm. Not one of the Canoptex, is it? And well, yeah, probably. And those little metal tentacle things are literally the Lasher tendrils from the Lord Discordant, just reshaped. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the, you know, they yeah. changed the sort of flow of them. Yeah, but yeah. The yeah, actual sure. asset is the same asset. Now, yeah, yeah. Why would a Necron's body tendrils? be a Lord Discordant's Lasher tendrils, you know, his weapon thingy, yeah, yeah. his Doctor Octopus bloody arms. Yeah. And, and you know, so that leads you to believe that if they're looking for ways to cut corners, that is them maybe taking, in a sense. Perhaps it would be nice to give, on the other hand, by offering us some more variety in our spruce. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, also, you know, if there's if there's if there's any uh, a sort of budding entrepreneurial um, sort of uh, modelers out there who who you know looking to create stuff to three D print, it's worth a thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, compatible components to turn thin people into fat people, tall people into short people. Space Marine torsos where the uh, the chest plate and the back plate are about to have a little lever <laughs> extender put in between them because the Space Marine inside's a bit too tubby. That's right. That's, that's right. what I want. I want tubby yeah. marines. I say, but the thing is, I mean, you, you, you make you make you make a, a sort of a jovial point there, but but you've also hit on another thing. If you take the Uriel Ventress books, um, his second in command, Lysanius, uh, you know, uh, sorry, um, Pisanius Lysane, um was described as being that big that he required reconstituted parts of Terminator armor to make standard armor for him. Right. So that gives you some idea of the size of that Space Marine compared to Ventress. Yeah. So it's there. It's there. It's been written into the... It's been written into there's, the law. There's precedent. Yeah, there's precedent there. So, you know, um, anybody out there that, you know, was kind of having these sort of thoughts of, you know, uh, doing these extra little bits, I th I'm sure they'd make a killing. There is... There's, there's a, a lady on Twitter um, and... I'm so sorry if you listen to this and you know that it's you that I'm talking about because your name escapes me right this moment. And that is because my old boomer brain cannot handle too much information at once. But there is, there's a lady on Twitter who's been doing a project recently where she's been making true scale Primaris. Um, because, oh, yes, yes. Because, yes, of, I saw of that. course, yeah. you know, what, one, of, one of the really weird things about the, the Primaris Firstborn thing is... The Primaris are actually technically not big enough because the Firstborn weren't big enough in the first place. Yeah. You know, the, the Primaris are the correct amount bigger than the Firstborn, so they yeah. look right against the Firstborn. But as soon as you start comparing them to all the other miniatures that GW makes, 
the Primaris aren't big enough again because they're yeah. pretty much the same size as everything else that's coming out now and the firstborn are just too small. So mm. uh, so she sort of took this idea and ran with it and made a, a true scale Primaris where, where she's actually made them even bigger still so that they make more sense, um, brought the proportions a bit more sort of sensibly in line, um, just thought about things a little bit more carefully. And they look fantastic. You know, they're towering fucking monsters um, and they look absolutely brilliant. And, and it does sort of, you can't help but see stuff like that and just think, oh, I just wish we could have that in our armies. I wish we could have, you know, uh, Biff the heavy weapons guy in my guard squad happens to be six foot six and, you know, 280 pounds because he's lugging around a heavy bolter without any help. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. You know, just stuff like that, to me, seems like fun. It seems like it, adding more character to your army. It does. I mean, you know, and, and, and look, you know, there are far more important things out there in the world, aren't there, that, that, that go on. Um, of you course. Know, um, um, and and it's, it's a minor, it's a, it's, I think it's what would be described as a trifle compared but, to a lot of things, but it's just one of those things that gets you thinking. At the end of the day, Dave, not every rant has to be serious as a heart attack. You know, sometimes it's nice to mm. just rant about something that you're passionate about, but mm. doesn't really have too much at stake. So I, I appreciate this. It's, it's quite nice to be able to just have a bit of a back and forth about something that we just wish was a thing. And, mm. you know, it, it's especially in a world where a lot of the conversations that, that, we, that we have to have, especially in the context of a rant, are conversations that we really wish we didn't have to be having. We wish people just knew better, just did better, just were better. And that can be yeah, quite a weight yeah. sometimes. And so, you know, mm -hmm. every now and again, a rant comes along that's just, I really fucking wish I could have a fat space marine. I'm all about that. I've got time for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's not flog a dead horse. Let's let's quietly hope between us that uh, that GW do start giving us a bit more variance in our kits. But uh, until then, shall we move on to the next section? Yes, indeed. Alrighty. So uh, this one is where I ask you, what's coming up? So uh, what's uh, what's coming up then, man? What's what's coming up? Okie dokie. So, tell me, Dave, what's coming up now in the near future? What are your next hobby projects and all that kind of thing? Well, one of my main plans is actually to get a game of something. Um... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you remember playing Warhammer? Do you remember yeah, yeah. it? It was great. It was. <laughs> um, hopefully. Uh, oh, I don't. But then having said that, who knows? Who knows? Um, I think it's part of the reason, one of the reasons why I've started playing a little bit of sort of Blood Bolt um two on the pc because obviously I, I get to play something um you know that's engaging and stuff um but i'm kind of hoping um i've kind of been thought because obviously i live quite close to, to gav yeah um so i'm hoping me and him can form a little bubble and then have a few games or something um, yeah because i think a lot of the problem is with the with the restriction rules being so fucking different everywhere you know nothing's consistent i mean mm. Uh, I'm in Leicester, as you know, and Leicester has been under a local lockdown pretty much since the rest of the country had its lock first lockdown relaxed. Yeah. Um, and we had an announcement last night, and I can't actually figure out. Uh, there was supposed to be like an update announcement telling us, you know, what changes they were making to the rules. And I can't actually figure out what's changed. I can't actually see 
what's different, what I can do now that I couldn't do before. Yeah, yeah. And, it, it's, it's a mess. It's a, it's a mess. No one knows what they're supposed to be doing. And that's kind of the thing, isn't it, is that, you know, Warhammer has really suffered because of all this, um, which it sounds like a very selfish thing to say, oh, my hobby's really suffered because of this fucking global health pandemic. But at the end of the day, you and I both know this hobby, like, literally keeps a lot of us going. You know, the, the hobby mm. is... It, it can feel life or death sometimes because it's our, our lifeline to the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. One of the great things that it has done, though, and this in a perverse way, is, um, I know from having chats with you, you, you feel the same way, is the amount of people that I have been in contact with and sort of kind of uh, made acquaintances with by using social media through this hobby is immense. Yeah, um, we, we're spending a lot more time on social media and that's kind of, social media was already how we were sort of meeting people anyway, but it's really become mm. the only way we meet people now. And so we're a lot more, yeah. um, it's a lot, it, it, it matters more at the moment, you know, the, the connections it, it that we does. make feel a bit more meaningful. It does. All I can say is once once we get out the, out the other end of this and everything goes back to normal, I hope Bugmans make sure they've got plenty of beer in the back because I have a feeling they're going <laughs> to need it. <laughs> I'll tell you, Warhammer World is going to be absolutely fucking destroyed from the day it reopens until the yep. end of time. Every Warhammer nerd I know, every single one is like, when this is over, we should meet up at Warhammer World. I literally... Yeah, road trip. Everybody, everyone is saying it. We should meet up at Warhammer yep. World. And I'm like, yeah, fucking sweet. It's half an hour down the road for me. I'm, I'm down. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm really fortunate. I like you. It's about, what, it's a half an hour drive, an hour on the train, and I'm there. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. train, tram, drop off at the door. Happy days. I mean, it was it was actually my local for the longest time. From, um, from third edition to fifth edition. So what's that like? The late 90s to early 2000s? Yeah. Uh, sort of time um, during that period that was actually my my local GW that was the one that I was nearest to yeah was that one that was on the, on the hill I can't remember but Tewton Hill was it um, yeah um, that's the city centre one you're talking about isn't it the one that's actually yeah, in, yeah. in Nottingham yes yeah, yeah no, I, uh, I was talking about actual Warhammer World. Like that was, oh, Warhammer World. Yeah, that was that right. Warhammer okay. World was my nearest store. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because obviously they they moved, didn't they? They had a big relocation. Yeah, because um, the, the the oldest GW store that I remember was Hilltop in Eastwood, mm. um, which I know also used to be where it, it was their head office, but they they didn't have Warhammer World back then. No, that's right. They just had GW headquarters. Yeah, and it was like it was where Mail Orders HQ was. It was where White Wolf's yes. HQ was, and they had a store as well. That's it was, right. It was nothing like what we know now. No, quite unassuming building with just a brass plaque on the outside that said Games Workshop on it, and that was it. It's like you're like you're in somebody in a, in a residential street, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah. How times have changed, eh? Oh God. So what else am I trying? What am I planning on doing? Well, I've got a I've got a little plan in the back of my mind about potentially making a chess set using the Primarchs models. Ooh. For the the, main I'm assuming pieces. you mean the 30k ones, because the uh, 40k yes. ones are fucking huge. No, yeah, the 30k Primarchs. Interesting. Um, and then obviously just using ordinary Marines as the pawns. Right. So, yeah, like Lionel Johnson as your rooks, I guess. Uh, Lorgar as your bishops. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Sanguinius uh, would be obviously the 
Um, yeah, that'd be the king or the queen, wouldn't he? Of uh, of the uh, the loyalists, I would think. Oh, can, can we not have can we not have Big E as the king and Malkador the Sigilite as the queen? <laughs> I mean, they basically yeah. were an old married couple, weren't they? They were basically, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He did all he did all the. Uh, you know, he, he he thought he was making all the decisions, but it was really Malkador that was in the background. Actually, <laughs> no, about it, I suppose I suppose you'd have Dawn as your as your castle, wouldn't you? And you'd have um, Johnson yeah. as your as your knight. Yes. Yeah. 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 That would make sense. And yeah. I, I suppose John, the other thing that John, you could do Johnson is kind of mm. sorry. Johnson and the Khan as the yeah. two knights. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. I suppose the other thing that you could do as well is you could um, because you've got. Uh, 18 original legions, right? Yep. Um, does that does that count the two lost legions? There were 20 in total, weren't they? Yeah, and so it was 18 that there. There's actually 18 primarchs, isn't there? That's right. Yeah. Um, so, with you only needing eight characters aside, you two could gonna act, miss out. You could <laughs> actually technically fit everyone in, but two would have to miss out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they would be interchangeable. No, two don't have to miss out. Because uh, um, the Alpha Legion, their Primarch is two people, isn't it? Of course he is, yeah. yeah. Um, so so for the Alpha Legion, you could do, like, one of the pawns in disguise or something on each side. Or, <laughs> you know, just be, just be, like, really sneaky about it. Yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're going down a rabbit hole with this. We're getting right into the idea of this chess set. <laughs> it's it's clearly mean, a good idea. It's, well, I've always liked chess. Um, chess is one of those games that um, that, that I've always liked. I, I have a, a limited edition Lord of the Rings chess set, um, the um, one of the pewter ones that was made back in the nineties. Um, uh, it just always has been. I've always, well, I've really always wanted one of those ma really massive ones where you've got the twelve-inch pieces. Yeah. Um, but again, chess. It, yeah, it would be huge, <laughs> you know. Um, and where I'd store it. I would have no idea. So, but I've always kind of ever since I've sort of done the hobby. Um, I think somebody did do a a forty k chess set at some point way back in the. I'm pretty sure it was in White Dwarf at some point. Right. Um, but obviously, with the thirty k Primark figures coming out, they just look you know absolutely fantastic. For sure. Um, yeah. For sure. Um, and you just think to yourself, you could do a great chess set with them. Um, that sounds like it, it, it sounds like it's one of those things that I mean we were you know we were instantly back and forth in on ideas it sounds like something that would be very easy to immediately have a bunch of cool ideas but the actual execution would be where the real fun is like yes. because there's just so many different angles you could take for how you actually present it how you do the paint jobs um how you base the miniatures, how the bases interact with the board, you know. There's there's so many cool things that you could do with it. It's, it definitely sounds like a project you could really, A, get your teeth into, and B, spend a long time finalising all the ideas for. Yeah. It's one of them things, I think, as well, that if you didn't get it quite right, it could quite easily look like a dog's dinner. Yeah. Which is what you want to, what you want to avoid. Definitely really. easier to mess up. Yeah, but then you know, all of all of the the best things that we that we do are always sort of high risk, high reward, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and if you're talking about buying all eighteen Forge World Primarchs, you're talking what about eight hundred quid's worth of miniatures? That definitely yeah. qualifies as high risk. High risk, and it's definitely a long project. Yeah, it's, it's one that you build up to over time. So, so look at it about ten years time. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll hold you to that. I'll be uh, I'll be keeping an eye out now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> nice. All right, I'll tell you what, mate. Let's uh, let's get into some questions from the community then. We haven't got a ton this week, and that is entirely my fault because I arranged for us to sit and do this show very last minute, so yeah. I hold my hands up to that one. But we have got a couple, and they are some pretty good ones, so let's head into the mailbag. Mailbag. Mm-hmm. The mailbag is, as people are starting to realise now, probably my favourite section in the whole cast. And I'll tell you why it's my favourite section in the whole cast. is because I love being able to connect with the community, get feedback, get a bit of a back and forth going. That is absolutely beautiful for me. And it's the whole reason why I love doing this show with guests as well. So... This week, all of the questions that I've got are actually for you. I've not done any of the asking both of us questions. Uh, They're all from my Discord, so I'm just going to start reading them out. I'll check my show notes, read them out one at a time for you, and we can go through them. How's that sound? Good stuff. Let's go. All right. So the first one is, what will be your next planned army and why? Um, In Age of Sigmar, um, will probably be orcs. Um, Because orcs, orcs are orcs, aren't they? Um, I mean, they're, they're, it's just they're so they're such a characterful army, you know. Um, I've always had a bit of a thing for orcs, anyway, even from my old Hammer days, and it's a bit of a but uh, a bit of a hangover from that. But when you have a look at, at some of the sculpts now that they've got for the orcs, I mean, the Maw Crusher is just one hell of a beast. Yeah, I, I a did a commission for one of those last year, and it was fucking killer. Um, um, and you know, I can I, I could see those models in a, in an old hammer army yeah, quite sure. easily you know um and and you just look at them and and i'm just drawn to to orcs i think in general iron jaws um, in particular is the one age of sigmar army that really just immediately looks very beautiful to me yes yeah you know, when you I mean, see it as a massed army it just yeah. has an aesthetic that is so its own you know it is it's just Age of Sigmar Orcs are just a thing in their own right, and I just love how they look. They are. I mean, they're epitome of organised chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and they have that unity in, in, in unity of colour, that unity of, of schema. Are you going to go um, for a whole bunch of uh, painting yellow, or are you going to make it a little bit easier for yourself? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you, because I'm a bit of a fan of yellow, I must admit, particularly particularly on orc models. Um, I really like painting it as well. It's never been a colour mm, that I've shied away from. No. Now that obviously, you know, obviously I, I struggled for such a long time um, getting a decent yellow, but obviously now I, now, now, now I have a little recipe for doing that. I'm quite happy to do yellow. Yeah, for sure. Um, and um, it will probably like... Well, probably be similar to the colours on the box, I would imagine, because they just look so sublime. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no bad um, thing, if you ask me. No, 40k, obviously I mentioned them before. Um, my homebrew Blood Angels successor chapter, Sons of Baal. Yeah, now I, I, like, I'm sure you know this, but as soon as you said you were doing a homebrew Blood Angels successor chapter, I was like, I'm also doing a homebrew Blood Angels successor chapter. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, quite, uh, Blood Angels seem to be quite popular again with people. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think obviously the um, the Horace Heresy novels have done nothing to harm that. And obviously Dante, um, you know, with, with the recent novel that he's had out. As Devastation well. of Baal um, as well is not that yeah, long ago. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always liked Marines. Um you know, when when I first picked up 40k Rogue Trader back in the day, 
you were reading about these superhuman genetically engineered warriors who were the last uh, the last line of defense for mankind you know fighting against the heretic and the alien um and that always will be for me um you know i've i've always always been drawn to them i can't ever see me not doing them um so yeah it's it's funny you should say that because like this time getting back into the hobby this most recent excursion back into the hobby I was really determined not to just collect Space Marines straight away. The, the, the army that I really fell in love with was Imperial Guard. And I collected about 3,000 points of Imperial Guard. And I'm so happy that I did that. I love the army, love the miniatures. But you better believe you, the next army after that was I, I wanted a new Space Marine army. And I've actually got two Space Marine armies on the go at the moment. And a Chaos Space Marine army. You know, it's just, mm. they're, they're iconic for a reason. They're just, aesthetically speaking... They're just so fucking cool, and I, I totally get why everybody wants a Space Marine army at some point. <laughs> think back. I think in the deepest recesses of of, of 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 human psyche, we would all love to think that we've got someone like that out there protecting us from everything that's bad in the universe. And I think that's their appeal, isn't it? You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. The, on on some level or not, I think the thing is. It's fucking good fiction writing because it it appeals to a lot of very easy grabs, you know, like Space Marines conjure up feelings of knights of old, which is something that mm -hmm. nerds really fucking dig, you know. Um, there's that element of like the the gravitas of being a huge religious empire that reminds people of kind of the old British Empire, uh, you know, the sort mm. of nods to Roman Catholicism and stuff like that. And whilst those things, you know, we definitely have to acknowledge have been responsible for some of the shittier parts of history. Also, mm. you know, a lot of the really cool stories, you know, things like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the fucking, the movie now. Um, is it Kingdom of Heaven, the Orlando Bloom Kingdom movie? Kingdom of Heaven. You know, yeah. which is all about yeah, like yeah, the great, Crusades great, great in Jerusalem. Yeah, and it's that it's that whole Yeah, it's that, that whole monastic thing, isn't it? You know, that, that you've got you've got a, a group of, of, of soldiers who live a monastic lifestyle. Yeah, that's, that's um, what I mean. It's just you know, you know it's, it's just a whole bunch of stuff that reminds us of cool things, reminds us of stuff that we dig. You know, I yeah, think that's yeah, what's absolutely. so clever about Space Marines. Absolutely, you know. Um, and, and to a degree, you know, they've moved that across into they've moved that across into the Sisters of Battle as well. Very similar monastic lifestyle. Um, you know, it's almost like that sort of um, uh, sort of nuns versus monks yeah. type thing that, that was sort of going on. You know, yeah, kind the, of, yeah, kind of. Yeah, back in the Middle Ages, you know. Um, so yeah, and and there's 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 that draw there. There's that draw there. You know, wholesome lifestyle, devout. You know. Um, Going out there, chopping up beasties, defending and then, and then, damsels, you know, doing the whole thing. If we unpack that further, we start to look at the individual stylings of the different Space Marine legions slash chapters. You know, we've got Space Vampires, we've got Crusaders, we've got Romans, we've got Mongolian-themed kind of outrider clans. We, You know, we, we have all these, like, there's a flavour of Space Marine for everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you've even got the ones that you know the uh, the ones that 
clearly are afflicted by some sort of sort of um, uh, bodily dysphoria to do with legs and arms and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> they want bits of them removed and you know replaced by metal bits. You know, in reverence to their lost Primarch, who would quite <laughs> frankly probably go potty at the thought of them chopping bits of themselves off and replacing them with metal because um, he probably because he didn't want that. But yeah, so this, <laughs> the whole world of the space people think, oh yeah, space marines is space marines that. But as you say, when you look at the breadth and depth of what's available in the Space Marines, there's something for everyone. The more the more layers you peel off the Space Marine onion, the more you realise there is to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. For and that, sure. I think that's the thing. And of course, you know, it all started off, of course, with Space Crusade. Yeah. You yeah know, Space Crusade, I think, is... is, is a, a lot of people... Uh, still to this day you know look back so fondly on space crusade and it was their first introduction to uh to games workshops universes yeah absolutely absolutely um you know and then a lot of people obviously went on to space hulk from there you know and were introduced to terminators well, of course once you know space marines are fantastic on their own Mate. when you get a space marine that can use terminator army they just become godlike. It's, I am a Terminator know. addict. I have literally not built a Space Marine list it, since, since again, since I've been back into this hobby. I've not built a single Space Marine list that didn't include at least five Terminators. I'm just addicted to them. Love them. Mm, yeah. I've even yeah. got... Um, uh, that, uh, there's one in front of me, but it's uh, it's converted, so it wouldn't actually show the the point that I'm trying to make. But I've actually even got... Uh, do you remember the Assault on Blackreach box set that came with five Terminators? Yeah, I've actually got five of those Terminators going into my Ultramarines army because it's just so classic to paint those Terminators Ultramarines because that's what they were in the Assault on Blackreach box. Ah, oh, yeah, it, it, yeah, you know, I mean, it, 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 you've only got to look really, haven't you, at some of the recent animations that have been brought out that people keep releasing onto YouTube. You're talking about Astartes now. Oh yeah, you, you know, and you just you just that look show. at you know, and you you think to yourself, wow. You know, th th this this is exactly what you imagine. When I first you know, saw Astartes, my heart genuinely started beating faster when I was yeah. watching it. Like, it really affected me. Yeah. Such an incredible piece of work. Yeah. And, you know, everything that, everything that you expect of Space Marines comes true. Yeah. In that particular yeah. um, sequence of animations. They're fast you know, when they're and lethal and brutal. Fast, lethal. They walk out into a shower of, of las bolts and they it's just having no effect on them. They pick a target, one bolt, boom, they're down. Yeah. You know, it's that it's that, you know, the pinnacle of, of pinnacle superhuman engineering. You know. And it's um, quite a sight to behold. They they really oh, captured it well in that movie. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for more parts of that to come out. So uh, let's go on to our next question. Uh, what is the one thing in your hobby arsenal that you couldn't live without? This is going to sound really funny, but it's my overhead light. Um, before I had my overhead, well, what is it? It's, it's an overhead LED light, which is on an arm boom. Yeah. Um, and you can adjust it so you can have it as, as high as you want or as low as you want. But the quality of light that I now get from this LED light when I'm painting. Is it like a big LED panel? Yes, basically. Because yeah. um... I've, I've got one. Viewers, regular viewers of this cast 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I see the kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah. So regular viewers of this cast will know that until the last couple of videos that I've recorded, my face is always lit more on one side than it is on the other. Because whilst mm. I have... I have lighting, but it's more designed for painting. It's not really designed for lighting me. Yeah, and actually, yeah. a, a couple of days ago, I bought a panel light that fits into the horseshoe mount of my camera so that wherever my camera is pointing now, there is a big beam of nice, even, beautiful light being cast out at the top of it. Which yeah. means that the, wh whether I'm shooting down cam footage for tutorials or shooting myself, I'm always well lit now. And yeah. I tell you what, even just using it for painting, it is incredible. It's game-changing. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people go for, you know, got their favourite brushes, they've got this and that and the other. For me, as you say, this has been a game-changer. This light has made the difference for me. Yeah. Because I'm finding that the quality of light that I'm getting, it means that I'm not having to concentrate and squint so much. So then as a result, I'm of course, yeah. getting headaches or, or you know, you know, when you come away and you've been intensely focusing on something and you look away and it takes a, a few seconds for your eyes to adjust. I don't get that. Yeah, you can see more, um, you can do more, it's more comfortable. Yeah. It's just every improvement. The only thing is they kick out a bit of fucking heat. Yeah, that's it. I mean, this one's this one's not too bad. This one's not too bad. And with it being, with it being an LED, um, it's, it's okay. And of course, it helps with my streaming as well. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, so... But so yeah, so so if if you were to ask me what one piece of equipment could I not do without, it would be an overhead light. No, I actually think it's a really really good answer. And often I will say to people, you know, if there's one thing that will really really help you improve your painting, it's not a brush or a system or a recipe. It's making sure you're well lit because mm. being well lit allows you to do your best. And at the end of the day, you're the most powerful tool you have as a painter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anything that anything that maximizes your chances of turning out the work that you would want to, yeah, to turn out that makes you happy, you know, is you've got to aim for that. That's that's what you're looking for. There you go, folks at home. We're unanimous on that one. Make sure you get yourself a decent light. Uh, right then, Dave. Last question, uh, but it is a good one. It's a juicy one. Mm. Uh, a plastic plague has dropped that wipes out all GW model lines except for three. Which lines are you keeping and why? Hmm. Now, I had a good think about this one because this one, as you know, GW's lines, there's, there's dozens and dozens and dozens. So, in terms of importance, number three, elves. Okay. I'd keep elves. The reason I would keep elves is A, because they look good, but B, you could sneakily convert them into Eldar. At a so push. we get a cheeky twofer. I like it. So we get a cheeky twofer. The second one would be Oryx, because Orcs are fantasy and they're just a bomb anyway. And again, if at a push, you could, you could see where I'm going with this, can't you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you could convert them to Orcs. Um, and the third one would be Space Marines. I would never, ever get rid of Space Marines for the reasons we've already highlighted. It's funny, you know, I think... Even all the people out there that like to put themselves over as being Space Marine haters, you know, it's, it's quite a popular thing to do, isn't it? To sort of act like you can't stand Space Marines. I yeah. think even those people have to acknowledge the game would not be the same without them. Because even if you are someone who hates them, they are there to 
drive that emotion in you. You know, you, you, you want to beat them more than any other army. The, the victories against them mean so much more to you. Like, whether you love them or you hate them, Space Marines are just iconic to this hobby. They are, they are, um, you know, much, and, and if you look at, I mean, all three of those ones I've picked without actually consciously looking at them, they are the three, pre the three most prevalent races in both of the, both of the lines, either the fantasy line or the sci-fi line. Yeah, I mean, humans, elves and orcs are kind of the three pillars, aren't they, of, of yeah. classic fantasy. Yeah, um, you know, and as I say, you know, the, the conversion, you know, elves look rather funny. But I think, you know, you can see where my mind's going with this. My conversion mind's constantly working away in the background. And I look at models and think, oh, you know what? That would make a very good this or that would make a very good that. Um, so that's just You're talking about elves and conversions into Eldar, actually. Um, are you familiar with Ape of Justice? Uh, it's on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, and I think he's around on Twitch as well. I think. I've, I've, I think I've seen it. I think I've seen his name mentioned on he Twitter was, a few times. But I'm, yeah, there's a Discord that we're both in, um, and he was talking about earlier. He's converting some shining spears, but instead oh, yeah. of instead of buying the shining spears riders and putting them onto the normal guardian jet bikes the way he's doing it is he's taking the normal guardian jet bikes and he's putting the new luminef realm lords cavalry onto them ah you know with the big nice. plumes and the high helmets and like all the really nice kind of overblown plate nice. mail armor and that yeah, to yeah, me yeah. sounds like such a fucking sweet shining spears conversion yeah Absolutely. And so then, yeah, massive shout out to Ape for Justice for that idea because I think that's yeah. going to be stellar. It is. I mean, some of these, some some of the things that you can do with with GW models, you know. I mean, one one of the things I've been seeing recently is is that there seems to be a bit of a um, seems to be a bit of a push with um, salamanders. Players. Yeah, well, because so they're not, so good this edition. You know, to start mounting salamanders on things like cold ones and giant lizards and stuff. And, <laughs> and, and you, know what, you know, go for it. Why not? You know, fill your boots. I think a lot of people's imagination will be pointing towards salamanders at the moment just because 9th edition has made salamanders so powerful. Yeah. I'm just waiting to, I'm just waiting to see a carnosaur, you know, bedecked with seven or eight melters on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Counts as. Counts as Lamb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but you, do you know what? As I've often said, you know, to other people, it's your hobby. You do what you want with it. Yeah, yeah. Hobby your own way. Hobby your own way. Yeah, exactly. no. Um, you know, nobody's nobody's the gatekeeper. Um, you know, nobody has the right to be the gatekeeper. You know, the only, the only gatekeeper really is the official rule sets if you're going to go into competitions. Well, that and your wallet. <laughs> and your wallet, of course. Yeah, <laughs> your wallet but, is definitely the ultimate know, gatekeeper. It, if if I you know come up against somebody in a game and they come in and they've got this and they've they've clearly crafted it and they've converted it and they've kit bashed it and I've said I'm going to use this that that counts as that I'm going to go yeah absolutely that yeah. looks fantastic yeah, go for it go for you it you know um, because I think that's 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 part of the joy of this this hobby at the um, end of the day the last thing I would ever want to do is be responsible for stifling someone else's creative passion you know some people don't particularly care for painting the miniatures, can take or leave play in the games, but they absolutely love converting. If that person absolutely. is turning up to the table to play a game against me, they're doing me a favour by playing a game against me because playing the game's not even what they're in it for. 
Why am exactly. I ever? Why am I ever going to do anything but encourage their creativity? You're not, are you? I think one of my one of my um, one of my favourite other YouTubers, aside from yourself, of course, <laughs> um, uh, a guy called Lord Voldemort. Yeah, I know uh, Voldemort. Lovely, he, lovely fellow. He did a, a YouTube um, a video a few weeks back about um, veteran space marines uh-huh. and their customizability, um, and he said at the end, he said, you know, before I go, something on the lines of. Remember that when somebody paints something or they convert something, they put a bit of themselves into what they're doing. They're bringing themselves to the table when they do these things. So don't, don't don't tread on their snails. Yeah. You know, go with it. You know, I, I, you know, it might not be the best painted thing. It might not be the best converted, but they put their soul into that. And who are we to have a right to tear down their house? For sure. Because we don't happen to like their aesthetic. Never were a truer word spoken. And this is kind of why I'm a bit low on the whole interfaction banter thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not a fan of the whole, haha, you collect ultramarines, you boring prick. Or, you know, uh, heretic. And, like, I think a lot of people take it as being all in good fun. And mm. I think most people intend it to be all in good fun but again it comes down to that thing of me deciding for myself what i'm happy um for the potential effect of my actions to be and Mm. i think to myself that there are definitely times where somebody could feel pushed out of a space that should be inclusive Mm. because people were taking the piss out of their faction yeah and I don't think that's something that we should encourage in this hobby, you know? And the fact that we all consider it to be lighthearted and a joke and a bit of harmless fun is kind of exactly the problem because that masks the fact that it does cause some people to feel pushed out. It does Mm. cause some people to not feel welcome to open their case and put that army of Tau or Ultramarines or, you know, one of the classically not cool armies on the table. But what if that's what those people really buzz off you know what if that's what those people really vibe off like it's it's not your place to make jokes that cause those people to not enjoy their hobby and no, just because no. you mean it as a joke that doesn't make it fine no 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 i mean it's so easy to cause distress to somebody i mean yeah classic examples of this is is when you get young folks first coming into the hobby you know that they, they get their starter set you know they get bought a few boxes of of something or other, um, you know, they get busy at their desk, they whack the paint on, you know, willy-nilly. They don't really have a, um, you know, not really looked at any painting videos or guides. What they want to do is get in there and do what they enjoy, and that's the painting. And they paint them all up, and they're doing, you bring them along. The first thing, the, the first and last thing that that they're ever going to want to hear is somebody turn around and say, oh, that's a bit of shit, isn't it? Right. No exactly. one has the right to destroy somebody's... I wonder how many kids have been driven out the hobby... By somebody being an arse to them. And I don't I don't think that's any different to someone that's been in the hobby for 10 years. And, you know, they post a miniature that they've painted that they're really proud of on the internet. And you go, yeah, it's a good paint job and everything. But why the hell did you paint it blue? It's like, yeah, it just makes people feel bad. And uh, mm. 
this this way that we pass it off as innocent banter, we have to at some point acknowledge that that feeds toxicity. It makes the problem worse. Yeah, it, it does. People seem to have taken on board this this whole um, sort of cliche of, of of oh, I'm being a bantosaurus, you know. Um, and, and it's like, no, no, mate, you're a dick. You're not. You're not a bantosaurus. You're a dick. At the end of the day, cheap laughs are still cheap, right? Well, exactly. You know, but at the expense of somebody else. And there are there are there are enough people out there with frail confidence within the hobby that you know we we don't need these hardcore assholes. I mean, Christ, mate. Do you know you what? Know. I'll, I'll be I'll be completely honest. I, as a content creator put myself through the grinder every single week because my confidence in my work is not even remotely high you know mm. i constantly question every decision every stroke of paint every photograph every video everything that i put out there i constantly question it could i have done better should i have done better should i have re-recorded that bit of b-roll and every single positive comment that i get is reinforcement mm. and when it's throwaway negativity it can undo all of that you know it, just it one little bit yeah. of throwaway negativity someone just being negative for the sake of it not because they needed to be not because i asked not because i wanted to know just because they just felt like it and and it can it can break down weeks and weeks of hard work building yourself up to something you know yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, we seem to have, there seems, society, say we, not us, but society seems to have forgotten manners. It's manners. You know, once upon a time you were taught that, you know, you shouldn't say unkind things to people. Yeah, if you've you got nothing nice every, to say, don't say anything. Exactly. You should treat everybody the way you want to be treated yourself. But we seem to have turned into this tank of piranhas. Um, you know, where, you know, if something isn't quite right and it doesn't fit your expectations, you have a right to rip that off and to, 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 to decry it and to destroy, you know, that person's work. And, and it's, it's not, it, for me, it's not a good thing. It's I, not a good thing at all. I genuinely think that we as a society can be better than that. And I think if anybody could be exemplars of being better than that, it's the Warhammer community. Like, I have seen so much love and inclusion and kindness and building up of people in this community. You know, I do think that the few bad habits that remain can be beaten, can be broken. And, and the, you know, the Warhammer community will continue to be one of the most inclusive, kind and friendly places for people. Um... I just think, you know, at the same time, it's it's important to talk about it. You know, we, we, mm. we have to at least be doing our bit to make sure people are aware of it and can decide for themselves how they feel about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe sometimes it's just as simple as thinking when you see something, someone's posted it on social media, just have a look at it and think, has this person posted this because they're proud of it and they want to show it off? Have they asked you for feedback? Right. If they haven't asked you for feedback, keep it short. <laughs> you know so, what I mean? Or, or just say, oh, yeah, you know, I like it. Oh, nice. You know what I mean? It, it, 
for me, if I've ever wanted feedback on something, I've always gone on and I've said a uh, bit of feedback would be good. Yeah. Um, any yeah. any tips as to how I could make this better next time? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, fee- feedback is one of those is one of those things. Um, constructive criticism stops being constructive if it's just someone's opinion. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That is why this this it, there's an inference that if you've posted something on the internet, you're inviting criticism. And that is inherently untrue. Yeah. Because the vast majority of what people call criticism is just what they think and feel about something. And that isn't what criticism yeah. is. Criticism has to be usable. Criticism has to be something you can take away and use to grow and improve and learn from. And so if your criticism is, oh, your blending needs to be sharper, that doesn't help me. You know, no. if I, I can see that my blending needs to be sharper. If I, if I want my blending to be sharper, I, I can identify that for myself. Telling me that doesn't make me better at blending. No. You know, tell and me how just, I can get better at blending. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what I can that, do. It's that connection of thought that's often missing. It's Absolutely. that interconnect. You know, yeah, okay, I know that that's a problem. You can see that's a problem. Do you know how I can sort this out? And if so, can you pop it in, the, can you pop it in and, and let me know? Right, because not. identifying what's wrong with something is not criticism. That's the important no. thing to realise. No, exactly. Helping exactly. people solve problems is criticism. That's the whole point of it. That's that's what we what we it need is. it for. It is. Certainly, it is. certainly, if we're going to call it constructive criticism, anyway. Yeah. If we're just going to call it criticism, then fair enough. Yeah, say what you fucking like, but nobody's asking for that. Nobody at all yeah. is asking for yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. Um, Do you know what? We've nearly ended up having another rant in the mailbag section. <laughs> that's quite impressive. Oh, yeah. It just goes on there. I think the thing is, I mean, Pete, yeah, yeah, when you, of course, when you put something out there on social media, it's open, it's open season on it, really, isn't it? You take the chance by putting it on there. I guess what I'm saying is there's no need to be deliberately unpleasant right. yeah. about it. You can, sometimes by saying a little is enough. You don't have to do, you don't have to say anything negative. Just like the damn, the fact that they've posted it on there. Yeah, yeah. And, and and also you know just just that one little thing as well. Like if you see something, just click on click a like on it, comment on it, just saying good job. The they may seem like throwaway comments, but those little things like they really build people up. They really help their confidence. And sometimes the only thing somebody needs to like level up their painting or or push to that next stage is just a bit more confidence. You know, so just just be kind. That's it. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Be kind. A lot of people forget, don't they? I mean. When you're when children go to school and they're they're in primary school and they're being taught by these teachers, these teachers aren't sort of aren't dragging them down every five minutes by telling them everything's crap. Of course not. They're building them up. They're building them up. They're giving them praise. They're giving positive feedback. You know that, and and we get habituated to that. So of course, you know, when you've spent you know if you spent hours painting something and you think actually I'm really pleased with that, and you put it on there and someone's a dick, then you just think. That's the fucking point. I'm not going to bother just, anymore. Yeah, it's it's a lot of steps back, and you know, people just they don't need that sometimes. So uh, that's our, that's our positive message for the day. And I think do you know what that probably brings us about to wrapping up, mate. So before we close the show, we have a couple of traditions. Uh, I first of all would like to turn the floor over to you for a minute. If you've got any plugs, shout outs, any links that you want me to put in the description of the video, that kind of thing. Now's your time, mate. The mic is yours. Right. Okay. Well, for those of you out there that maybe do 
uh, maybe don't know some of you maybe do i do i do stream but there are some other streamers i think that it's well worth me shouting out um roll one to explode um, I love Rue. Rue does a fantastic stream brackart another guy who does an absolutely fantastic stream um does a story time in his as well but what he doesn't know about stuff isn't worth writing uh, right. because he, he seems he's one of those sort of people that seems to be just this massive vessel of knowledge. It just knows a little He's bit about everything. So knowledgeable about Amazing. so many things. Um, and a really nice guy um, to boot as well. Um, I could go on for hours. There are dozens and dozens of people. But if I was going to say that, another, another guy who's coming through as well, another guy called Brother Monroe, really nice bloke as well. Um, someone who, um, and a lot of these have got very sort of low followership. You sure. know, um, They so, can do with a boost. Yeah, if people go and throw a like on them, then that you know that would please me immensely, and it would. Well, if you get me links, well. I will post links in the video and the audio descriptions. Grand, grand, that's great. Um, you know uh, what else? Um, nothing really. Just just a general sort of shout out there to to all those people that that I see on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter. Keep up the good work, folks. There's some absolutely fantastic stuff out there. Um, and, and obviously some of the, some of the people who sort of uh, came on the show before I did, you know, they're doing great stuff, great people. Um, I've had fun listening to their stuff. Um, you know, just keep it going, guys, because, you, <laughs> you know, we're all just the heart of the, of, of the hobby. And as I'm know. sure you can tell those of you watching at home, Dave is an absolutely lovely bloke. I'm sure that comes over in this interview, what a warm and lovely chap he is. But if you want more of his warmth and his loveliness, then uh, we will also post a link to his Twitter profile in the description so that you can go and find him on Twitter and have as much fun interacting with him as I do. Because he's definitely one of my favourites on Twitter. And, you know, that's what it's all about, just surrounding yourself with lovely people. Uh, that, that's exactly it, you know. Be kind to each other, you know, um, be humane um, and have fun. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be <laughs> and, a dick. Uh, our, our final tradition, the last thing that we do, Dave, is as we say goodbye, we do our silliest wave possible at the camera. Now, my neck is still hurting because I've had problems with it. So I'm going to be very careful with how silly this wave is. But everybody that's uh, sat through this show today, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining me and Dave. I'll be back with another one soon. But until the next one, bye, everybody.